Welcome to Last in Line Podcast, where we are highlighting, showcasing, and spotlighting great leaders of faith who have overcome adversity, cultivated resilience, and served others in a significant capacity. So settle in and be encouraged by this episode of Last in Line Podcast. At war spiritually. If you haven't ever quite fully comprehended that or understood how to approach that battle and tactically, strategically engage in that war, I've created a simple handbook, guidebook, roadmap that is straightforward, simple, short, but it's extremely useful and might serve you in this battle of spiritual warfare. It's called Operation 333, The Little Black Book on Strategic Spiritual Warfare. Grab a copy. So if you're like me and you're aging by the minute, which all of us are, sometimes the reminders help because our memory is not what it used to be. In my case, I can walk into a room and forget why I came in there, Um, especially if I'm in a conversation with somebody as I'm doing it. Seems like stuff leaves my mind as quick as it comes in it sometimes, and so I need all the reminders I can get a lot of times. But I also do have pretty decent memory on certain things. I can remember all kinds of lines from 80s movies and music Trivia, sports trivia, as you guys know, I'm constantly quoting the 80s and music and movies. But I am all for reminders. I set reminders in my phone, as I'm sure you do. Calendar alerts all the time. Setting my alarm clock for certain things. I have to be somewhere at a certain time. It's just I don't trust myself so much anymore. Whereas in the day, I was invincible back in the day and could just you know, be like, I'll keep all that in filed in my mind and I'll remember it, which I probably did. But now I'm self-aware enough to know I got to make notes. I got to set reminders. It got me thinking about the most important reminders that are in our lives. And I'm titling this today, Unforgettable. So it's going to be about five reminders that keep my eyes on the cross and my eyes play on words, pun intended. I, all five of these are going to start with I, and that's just how I roll. And if you don't know that by now, you soon will, or maybe you forgot that I am and need a reminder. See what I did there. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm all about reminders. I need reminders. And these reminders today are going to be about something that is, should be unforgettable, but we, actually do need some help in this field of keeping it on the forefront of our mind, keeping our eyes on the prize, eye on the cross. And so that's what I'm going to do today is bring five eyes that I think are super important for reminders to not take our eyes off of that and what Jesus did. Because let's face it, he knew what would happen, right? He knew we would fail. He knew we would flounder. He knew we were fallible. We would fall. Um, hence, the Garden of Eden is where the first fall originated, and and we've followed suit pretty faithfully, pretty consistently, and religiously. The human race has failed and fallen in more ways than one, and uh, we continue to do that. Actually, if you just watch any bit of the news, we we're continuing to digress and disintegrate and devolve and erode. So erosion's happening, 
But we as Christians have faith in the outcome. We know how this story ends. We know this is not a surprise. We know this is actually prophecy fulfilled. But he knew the world would hate him, right? Jesus knew he was hated by the world, and he knew we would be too. Um, nobody, probably, not probably, nobody, probably he knew that nobody would live up to the standard set by the cross and the standard that was represented by what he did on the cross. We He knew we would never live up to that or deserve that um, or be entitled to that, which is what grace and mercy are for. So that's our we're the we're the proud recipients and heirs to that throne and of grace. So we won't ever live up to that. He willfully accepted the death sentence that we actually gave him. You and I, right? I killed Jesus. You killed him too. I almost thought of calling this I killed Jesus, but in today and at this day and age, you can't really title a podcast i killed somebody like that would probably just get even as small and off the radar as this podcast is it it would probably get red flagged i'd be on double secret probation most likely if you don't know where that's a movie reference from look it up google it up and let me know that you know where that's from but i'll give you a hint faber college okay so you know he he knew what would happen. He knew what we would do. We knew he knew that we weren't worthy of that yet. He still loves us and forgives us and graciously accepts us. Okay. We are into graciously accepts us into the family. We are in the fold of the Holy nation, the Royal priesthood, the chosen people. And that's for you and I, and that's something we can take comfort in always every day, no matter what. And that's going to lead me right into the five reminders of that, which are the five ways that I keep my eyes on the cross, okay? The letter I is the pivotal letter, Vanna, if you will. May I buy that vowel? And yes, I I, I am the proud owner of, of that. So here we go. First one, guys. Um, the first I, right? The first one that keeps my eye on the cross is going to be impossibility. Why, you say, will all of these have a negative connotation? Well, because when I start getting into my stinking thinking of a human race and the human mind that is finite and limited like mine, I I have to, I get myself in these situations where I think something's impossible. So these eyes are all in a negative connotation, but that's good because those things remind me I need him. I need the cross. I need to get close. I need the grace. I need the mercy and the forgiveness. So the first one's impossibility. So that's the first I. When I when I get in the the realm of what I think is impossible, the overwhelming odds of a situation, a circumstance, a problem, an endeavor, a challenge, right? Anything, a goal even of impossibility. I'm forced to really just kind of drop my hands in a way and say, look, Lord, I can't do it. I need you. Like this is this is beyond me. I mean, this would even come into pursuit of your dreams. If you if it's bigger than you to pull off on your own, chances are it's a God thing and it's a good dream to have. Um, but overwhelming odds, 
places where I need a miracle, like the impossibility forces me to actually come to the end of myself and extend a hand up to the cross and say, Lord, this has got to be you. For this to happen, it's got to be you. It's got to be yours. Um, so give it away. And and hopefully you can give it away too. Hopefully we don't get completely to the end of our rope before we get to the end of ourselves. That makes any sense. But it's a lot easier to acknowledge the impossibility and step into what that mountain looks like if we commit to him and give it to him and trust in him and, and keep our eyes on the cross. I got a couple of scripture for each of these for you. So Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. That's staying committed to him, keeping your eyes on him. Luke 18, 27 says, he says what is impossible with men is possible with God. So we've got to actually rest in our impossibility in order for his possible to happen. For him to come in with, it's possible for him, it's got to be impossible for us. So that's where you got to get, and I think that's a good place to start. That's the first way I keep my eye on the cross. The first eye is impossibility. The second one is inadequacy. When I get sunk into the inadequacy of my insecurity, right, and my um, insufficiency, all those would fold in. Those are all I words, and those would all apply here. But my inadequacy, right, stems from my fear, my insecurity, stems from my um, not having a lot of confidence in myself. Um, maybe some of my past failures have led me to to sink into that paralysis of, of fear and not thinking I can do it because I haven't done it in the past. Hebrews 13, 6 says, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? So man can't do anything to us, right? If if I don't, if I trust God, Lord is my helper, what do I fear? Who do I fear? My fears and insecurities have no place, but those that inadequacy when it rears up allows me to stay turned toward the right thing, which is the cross, which is Jesus, which is the Father that is constantly standing over us, right? Whatever is impossible with, with men, right, is possible with him. Whatever man comes at me and says I should be fearful of, he's my helper. What can man do to me? Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will boast in my weakness, that the power of Christ may rest upon me, so I take pleasure in weakness, in reproaches, in hardship, in persecution, in distress for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. That's that's good, man. That's a that's a mouthful. But my strength is made perfect in weakness. Why? Because I'm yielding to Him. Because I submit and surrender to the cross and what He did and what He stands for. Because His power is sufficient in my weakness. That's comforting to know. That's comforting to know that when I get when I seep back into my humanness and my brokenness. 
Like I sink into that pit. I can look up and I can know, look, okay, I know I'm inadequate. I know I'm insecure. I know I'm fearful, but here's what he says about it. And there's countless scriptures about fear, right? Uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. That's not one of the scriptures I chose here, but you guys know that one. Power, love, and a sound mind, he gives us that. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. So I guess it's sometimes it's good when some of these eyes kick in because it keeps our eyes on the cross in reliance, full reliance, surrender, submission on Christ. You can't go wrong with that. You can't go wrong with that concept, that way of thinking. Okay, that's second one. So you got impossibility was number one. Inadequacy was number two. Number three, illegitimacy. My sin and my brokenness has made me illegitimate, right? I've told you before, sin really is defined simplest form of meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. So all the needs we have, are normal, are legit, but we meet those and fill those gaps in sinful, broken, fleshly, impure ways sometimes. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's comforting when I feel illegitimate, when I feel undeserving, unworthy, when I feel broken, when I feel pretty sinful and I know where my mind goes, and when I feel dirty and toxic, yeah, right? Feeling a little icky in my thinking, my stinking thinking, I can just sit and rest and pause and know that when I confess those sins, he's faithful. He's just. He cleanse, cleanses me and forgives me of all that unrighteousness, right? He is the power washer spiritually, emotionally. Uh, he will power wash that right off us. The other scripture I have is in John 1, verse 12 and 13. Yet to all who received him, he gave the power to become sons of God. Okay, just when you're feeling Ill- illegitimate, as like an illegitimate child, in this world, wandering aimlessly, right? Dirty, broken, sinful. He, right? Yet to all received him. So if we received him, he gave the power to become sons of his. To those who believed in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. He gave the power to become sons of God. That makes me pretty legitimate. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty legitimate. Okay, I pre- feel pretty justified, pretty sanctified, pretty legit. Okay, so should you. So that feeling of illegitimacy is actually okay because it quickens us in our spirit. It actually stops us in our tracks if we're if we're if we're thinking the way we should. If we stop and we realize, nope, look at the cross. Look what he did. He didn't die for nothing. If I sink into all of these eyes, right, and take my eye off the cross and put it on these eyes of impossibility, inadequacy, illegitimacy, and the next two that I'll give you, if I just focus on that, yeah, it's easy to feel illegitimate and unworthy. But in those moments, that's good because it triggers the need for for him, triggers the need within us. It stirs us up, ignites that fire to say, no, the cross was for nothing. If I take my eyes off of it and if I sink into that thinking, 
If I sink into that debilitating mindset, then it was all for nothing. So it's okay to feel that sometimes because then it it like triggers us to go, nope, look at the cross. Look what he did. Look what I'm not. I'm not these things that I keep telling myself that I am. I am more what he says I am. So that's number three, illegitimacy. Born out of that sin and that brokenness. The fourth one, intimidation. The five eyes, right? The five eyes to keep my eyes on the cross. Intimidation's number four. There's so many haters that can try to intimidate, can try to come at you, can try to manipulate, deceive, right? The devil is one of them, but he comes in many forms. His minions, his demons are sometimes taking natural form, natural shape, actually in the form of people sometimes. Um, And so I can acknowledge those factors of intimidation. Those emotions of feeling intimidated are not terrible. They're normal, but they also make me hungry. They make me hungry to fight. They keep me resilient. Like I would never need to be resilient if I didn't feel like I was being attacked or if I didn't feel intimidated or overwhelmed in those ways. I wouldn't ever need to feel that, to kick in that resilience, to to kick in that perseverance, to get uh, that fortitude within me, that gut check, gritting the teeth, bow in the neck, pressing on, pressing through, digging in, leaning in. Okay, I've got to acknowledge that intimidation feeling that gets stirred up is not of God, of course. It's of our flesh. It's of the world. It's of the devil. Okay, but we've got to pause and acknowledge that. We've got to just call it what it is, but get in the face of it, get in the teeth of it, jump in the belly of the beast, like I say. John 10.10, you know it. Say it with me. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. I came, Jesus is saying, that they may have life. They, is you and I, may have life and they have it more abundantly. So the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We know that. The big three, kill, steal, destroy. I wouldn't say manipulate, deceive, lie, all that. But God came so that we would have life and have it more abundantly. So that tells me there's the ace of spades. That trumps any sort of deception or manipulation or attempts or tactics the devil's trying to use or the world's trying to use to intimidate. Jesus and the cross trump that. He's the ace of spades. So we've got to fix our eyes on the cross. When we feel that intimidating, overwhelming thought of insignificance or thought of defeat, I don't know what to do, basically, is what I'm trying to say. The one word escapes me. But when we get intimidated, that also should keep our eyes on the cross. Now, look, if you don't ever feel these things, you should still obviously be focused on the cross more than anything. That should be the first and foremost way that we think, what we put our eyes on and our hearts on. Our behavior should be a reflection of that. But when we do, as people, like I said, We're fallible. We fail. We fall. When we take our eyes off the cross in those moments, like I just mentioned, of inadequacy, illegitimacy, intimidation, impossibility, those things, we've got to quicken ourselves and get back to basics and look at the cross and fix our eyes on that. So here's the last eye to keep your eye on the cross. 
Okay, first let me back to intimidation. I think I skipped a scripture. John 15, 18 through 19. John 15, 18 through 19. If the world hates you, you know that he hated me before it hated you. Jesus is saying this, right? The world, we're not special. The world hated him before it hated us, but the world will hate us. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you're not of the world, since I chose you out of the world, the world therefore hates you. So look, don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard, okay? That's not an aha moment to know the world hates you, to feel that intimidation factor from the world, to feel them come at you. The haters should not surprise you. In fact, you should welcome it because it puts your eyes back on the cross. It reminds you of what Jesus did. It reminds you of what he said, because you are not of the world. He said, since I chose you out of the world, thank you. The world therefore hates you. Good. Bring it on. Let them hate me. That's what we should say. That should be our mindset. That should be our posture. The last one is ignorance. The five eyes, okay, to remind me to keep my eyes on the cross. The last eye is ignorance. We have, we, we, like I said, our minds are limited. Okay, God's infinite. We are finite. He is unlimited. We are limited. He's perfect. We are so superbly imperfect. The ignorance that we feel when we are lost and we don't know the answer and we don't have a solution, we're in the moment and it, everything's piling on and we don't know the way out. We don't know the right lever to pull. We don't know what mathematical we don't know the answer to the equation the two plus two isn't equaling four in our world the ignorance when it overwhelms us and takes over we've got to yield to god's wisdom that is a no-brainer no pun intended no-brainer okay get out of our own head get out of our own way yield to his wisdom because he will give you that's the point of the holy spirit it's the helper he's the helper the Holy Spirit's not an it, it's a he. Correcting myself. Uh, but he, the helper, the Holy Spirit, will move you in that direction. He will give you the wisdom. James 1, verse 5 and 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all men liberally and without criticism. He's going to give you more than you need, and he's not going to say, hey, dummy, why do you need wisdom again? Hey, I gave it to you before. What's wrong with you? Why are you asking again? But without criticism, and it will be given to him. So he who asks, it will be given to him. Let him ask in faith, okay, without wavering, for he who wavers is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed with the wind. So when we ask for wisdom, let's not tiptoe around it. Let's not kind of half in and half out wisdom. Let's not ask for something thinking we'll never get it. Let's not expect partial wisdom or, oh, I'm going to you know, ask God for wisdom, but I don't know. Maybe I'm not worthy of the wisdom. Maybe he won't give. Maybe he's not a, in a giving mood today. It says don't ask uh, with apprehension or hesitancy is my way of paraphrasing. Let him ask in faith without wavering is what he says. So in faith means in certainty that you trust that it's there, that it'll be given liberally and without criticism, like it said before. That's James 1, verse 5 and 6. Romans 12, 2. 
Here we go. Say it with me. You know the words. Let's hear it. Top of your lungs. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not conform to the world. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. There it is. When you feel ignorant and out of answers, you're at the dead end. You're at the roadblock of a situation you can't move because you don't know. Stop. Pause. Get quiet. Get still. Get surrendered and submissive to his wisdom, to his will. Ask for it. If you don't know, ask. I've got a lot of things in my life I'm asking for wisdom in, for peace in. Like I, I ask almost every night when we pray as a family, God, give me the wisdom to make the right choice and then give me the peace to own it and and walk in that choice and be confident in that choice and trust you in whatever choice because it was your wisdom anyway that I asked for and that you gave. So that's that's it in a nutshell, guys. That's That's how it becomes unforgettable. That's the five reminders that keep your eyes on the cross. The five eyes, here you go, that keep your eyes on the cross. First one, impossibility, inadequacy, illegitimacy, intimidation, ignorance. Those five, those are ways that we slip into, mindsets we go to, we gravitate in those directions that sort of bring us into a uh, quicksand of thinking, which impacts our heart's condition and then our behavior follows. When we feel like we're getting into those five eyes, look to the cross. Those are your reminders. You don't have to set it in your phone. You just have to know those are triggers. When I feel that, that, that life is impossible, when I feel inadequate, when I feel illegitimate, when I'm intimidated, when I feel ignorant, those are triggers to have me stop, point at the cross, look to the cross, get in prayer, ask God for answers, and trust that the cross was not for nothing. Guys, you're meant to win. We are meant to win. This is how you do it. Keep your eyes on the cross. With that, be blessed. <laughs>